lesson for this first Sunday after the Epiphany, also the Baptism of our Lord Sunday, is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, beginning at verse 1. Listen to me, you coastlands. Pay attention, you faraway peoples. The Lord called me from the womb. When I was inside my mother, he mentioned my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me a polished arrow. He concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my glory. But I said to myself, I have labored in vain. I spent my strength and came up empty with nothing. Yet a just verdict for me rests with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. But now the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to turn Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him, so that I will be honored in the eyes of the Lord, because my God has been my strength. The Lord said, It is too small a thing that you should just be my servant to raise up only the tribes of Jacob and to restore the ones I have preserved in Israel. So I will appoint you to be a light for the nations so that my salvation will be known to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 16, beginning at the 25th verse. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Instantly all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself because we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling in front of Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to everyone in his home. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Without delay, he and all his family were baptized. Then he brought Paul and Silas into his house and set food before them. He rejoiced because he and his whole family, his whole household, had come to believe in God. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, beginning at the fourth verse. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locust and wild honey. He preached. One more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, 
but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased with you. This is the Gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. I'm going to read these words once again. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Instantly all the doors were opened and everyone's change, chains came loose. When the, the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself because we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling in front of Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to everyone in his home. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds without delay, he and all his family were baptized. Then he brought Paul and Silas into his house and set food before them. He rejoiced because he and his whole household had come to believe in God. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, why doesn't he simply just resign? Why doesn't he quit? Now, if you're thinking about this week at all and all the politics that are going on, I gotta honestly say I do not ask that question with anything of Congress and the President or in mind at all. But I can't help but wonder how many preachers today will be preaching on the storming of the Capitol or even how many preachers are gonna be closing the prayer today with the words amen and ah woman. When amen is not a gender word at all, and in fact amen comes from the Hebrew language, and it's an old Hebrew word meaning truth. This is the truth. So when you said a prayer, you ended it with saying, this is the truth. That's amen. But I will this morning Ask the question, why didn't he simply resign? And I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. Yes, God had called Paul to go and be an apostle, a missionary to the Gentiles. In fact, the Lord came to Paul in a vision and told him to go to the region of Macedonia. And one of the prominent cities in Macedonia was the city Philippi. It was a Roman colony. It was known to um, be a place where soldiers who were retiring would go to live. 
And so it was, again, a very strong Roman colony. And the Lord sent Paul there, along with his partner, Silas, who is actually a faithful believer from Jerusalem and became a faithful pastor and associate during Paul's second missionary journey. It brought him to Philippi. And it was there that he would preach and teach. And it was there that he would come across a young slave girl. This girl, we're told, was actually had an evil spirit, demon-possessed, if you will, which means the evil spirit did not come from God. It came from Satan, that evil angel, that enemy of God. And she was able to proclaim the future, but we know that Satan may guess what the future is, but he can never know the future because he's not in control of the future. Only the Lord God is. So even though she was proclaiming the future, she made a bunch of money for those who were her masters, her owners. Well, she kept following after Paul and Silas and kept saying that these are men of God and they're proclaiming the name of Jesus and the name of, of the true God. And Paul was getting annoyed because how she was putting it must have been annoying. And so Paul finally said to her, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the evil spirit came out of her. And she lost the ability to predict the future. Well, the owners were upset. In fact, they were irate. They immediately had Paul and Silas captured and taken before the magistrates. And there they told them how they were preaching doctrines and, and teachings that our people shouldn't be hearing. And how they were stirring up the people in this town. And the magistrates had them thrown in prison. Believing that they were Jews. So they had no legal rights. But keep in mind, Paul was actually half Jew and half Roman, which means he had Roman rights, and especially the right to a trial. But that he did not receive. In fact, they had him beaten, thrown into the cell. Oh, they put him in the inner cell. And they didn't even stop there. They chained him. <coughs> They treated Paul and Silas like they were the worst of criminals, hardened criminals. And what do we find Paul and Silas doing? Praying and singing. Why didn't Paul simply quit? Why didn't Paul call down curses from God? Why wasn't Paul upset and bent out of shape? But instead we find he and Silas singing and praying obviously for others to hear. By the way, it is because of these words that I had another faithful pastor say to a group of pastors, and I was in the group, saying that when it comes to hymns, don't pick hymns that simply repeat themselves or, or hymns that don't say anything. Pick hymns that speak God's word and speak it faithfully. Because even if the pastor screws up in his sermon, at least from the readings and from the hymns, the people will still get God's word. It was about midnight that all of a sudden there was a silent earthquake. 
and it actually shook the foundations of the jail, which really all, all earthquakes do. But what all earthquakes don't do is actually open up all the doors and, and loosen all the chains. This was clearly a miracle of God. When the jailer saw what had happened, he was grabbing his sword to end his life because the prisoners had escaped, and he would be held accountable for that escape. But Paul stopped him from committing suicide. And the jailer, calling for lights, rushed in, falling, trembling in fear before Paul and Silas. He would ask this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You will read commentaries that will say that is a question that we all need to ask ourselves. But I question that. Yes, I question the question. Is that really the question we ought to ask? Sir, what must I do to be saved? When rather, isn't the question, how am I saved? See, when you ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Well, then you're putting the emphasis on you. Tell me what to do, and I'll go do it. Give me a list of works, and I'll go and do it. I'll earn God's favor. Tell me what I need to do. Instead of, how are you saved? By looking at what God has done for you. When you ask this question, you're really denying, sir, what must I do to be saved, original sin. You're falling into the idea that there is such a thing as free will, and therefore, I'm not by nature a sinful human being, but rather, I'm a sinful human being who can choose between good and evil, which makes no sense. If you're a sinful human being, the Bible makes it very clear that without the Holy Spirit, you see the Word of God as pure foolishness. So asking such a question is really the wrong question. But it is a question that is constantly asked. What must I do to be saved? And it is so tempting as a preacher and as, and as a spiritual leader of a congregation to start giving out rules and, and, to, and to start giving out do's and don'ts for people to follow. It's quite powerful. And that kind of power can easily go to one's head. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to say. Here's what you need to think in order to earn God's favor. When in actuality, it's not what you do. It is what God has done for you. And that is the question that the Apostle Paul answered. And his answer was very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe. He doesn't say you should believe, you ought to believe, you could believe, you need to believe. All you have to do is believe. He doesn't say that. He says, believe. It's an imperative. And we call it an invitation, really a gospel invitation. Believe. It is an invitation that is given by the Lord Almighty, but keep in mind, it's an invitation that comes as a gift from God. For even that believing is the Lord's doing in your heart. As the Holy Spirit works in your heart, testifying of Christ, 
always through the gospel. And since faith, believing, always has to have an object, the object of saving faith is the Lord Jesus, the very one who himself left the glories of heaven taking on human flesh, son of God and son of man, the very one who was baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist, because as Jesus put it, it was to fulfill all righteousness. It was part of the plan of God for our salvation. And at that baptism, the, the voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to serve as the Christ, the Savior, the long-promised one from the Old Testament who fulfilled all those Old Testament prophecies. There is no doubt who the true Jesus is. The very one who would even give the command to go and baptize and to do so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all the blessings connected with God's holy name as recorded in his holy word because that is his name is ours. The blessings of forgiveness. The blessings of hope. The blessings of peace. The blessings of heaven itself. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. No talk whatsoever about what you need to do. All about what God has done for you. And what was the jailer's response? It was one of joy overwhelming joy. He rejoiced, but his, his joy wasn't just coming from his lips, and it wasn't just a feeling in his heart. His joy showed itself in his actions. He immediately brought Paul and Silas into his home, and out of love for his God, he loved his neighbor. He took care of their wounds. He set food before them, and he and his whole family were baptized in keeping with Christ's command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And therefore, what flowed from his believing heart was really the fruit of faith. And that was the joy. And a fruit of faith is, in other words, in other words, is good works. Notice what came first. It was faith that led to the works. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't good works, and that brought them faith or even strengthened their faith. Because good works done without faith is not good works at all. Oh, you may do a lot of good things that are looked upon in a civil way as being wonderful and great. But if it does not come from a believing heart, it doesn't please the Lord God Almighty no matter how wonderful it may be in the eyes of mankind. So, doing good works do not save us, but rather, believing in Jesus and through faith in Jesus, who has saved us, it leads us to do good works, empowered and motivated by his love for us. We love one another. And keep in mind, good works is faith that loves, and faith loves to love especially not just the Lord, but out of love for the Lord, one another. Not to hurt in harm, not to get even, 
that out of love, to even put a pers another person's interest above your own, out of love, to always build up and to be kind and compassionate. This is God's holy will for us. Once again, good works do not save us, but we do good works out of love for the one who saved us. So why didn't Paul quit? Why didn't Paul resign? He couldn't. He had the good news that he couldn't keep to himself. He had to share it. But look at how he was tortured. Look at what, how they treated him. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. He was chained. But Paul knew as we all need to know, is God does work out all things for good. And he used that terrible situation in order to bring the message of Christ and eternal salvation to a jailer and his family. Because those people were precious souls that Jesus gave his life for too. Therefore, my dear friends, what must I do to be saved? Yes, it is a question that all will ask, but it's the wrong question. The question really is, the answer that Paul really gave was, how has God saved you? And in Christ Jesus, he has saved you. In fact, he's done it all. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.